Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 118 of the Three Point Podcast and episode six of the COVID-19 quarantine. Our triple crown today includes John Fattel sitting in for Jared, the youngster who is working up north this weekend with a dead battery. Before I continue on, let's jump in right now. Come on, Jared, suck it up. I know your battery's dead, but there's nobody else up there with a cell phone? You would think he could make that work out. Again, I, I've heard him dog on you a lot. And, uh, and the other part I'd like to just say right off the bat, for all the usual listeners here, right? Jared tends to have a little bit of hyperbole when he talks about things that are happening in our home. So uh, <laughs> don't take them all as gospel truth. Just take them with a grain of salt. Well, I mean, you have a perfect opportunity. He can't rebut anything. you got the mic. Anything specific that he maybe... Uh... Just about everything that deals with me. <laughs> Well, on the phone is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network in Charlotte, North Carolina. Anything to add there, Matthew? Uh, That's what I was going to ask. You're saying he exaggerates a little bit. I'm saying that there is a kernel of truth in what he says in every story. Uh, But he (laughs) maybe maybe he believes it's true from his point of view. But I can tell you that uh, it is not. (laughs) I'm a little surprised that, especially his generation, you know, him being in that generation, he doesn't have a spare battery or like an external battery supply for his phone that's kind of shocking yeah i'm shocked myself and i'm uh, you know i'm so old school i'm just thinking well, you know you can borrow one of your buddy's telephones uh, you know to give us a call we could have rescheduled this pod anytime saturday or sunday right just to fit his schedule just we're, we're gamers man i, I you think know? though the the bigger bigger picture here is i think the last time that i stepped in for a fatel i believe that this show had one of its highest ratings ever <laughs> now i'm not saying that that'll happen this time but just saying well let's hope so let's hope so wally pip you never know I am the uh, old guy here, Jared's uncle, Ted Fatel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio, and also John's brother. Our great partners include Advanced Elevator, the Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Shared and Auction Service, ProMech Engineering, along with our online syndication teammate, Sports Radio Detroit. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. And don't forget, you can shoot us your comments and questions on social media that's at three point pod well we're going to get into a little bit more discussion on this podcast about the last dance and uh, the bad boys appearance last week we're going to also get into a few other topics here on this special sunday recording edition of three point podcast and we'll get it all rolling right after this Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. 
Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, uh, before we get into uh, a lot of sports talk, fellas, let's uh, let's check in with John, who happens to be the superintendent of schools over at Corona, our alma mater. You know, last week we had a couple of local businesses come on the podcast to, to tell us how COVID-19 has affected uh, their daily operations. And, John, we'll just start out right there. I know we've we've talked about it many times, this unprecedented situation worldwide and it obviously affects every aspect of life and one of those big aspects of life is uh, education so tell us a little bit about how it's affected what's been going on at the corona public schools it's affected everything um i know that a lot of, and, and the difficult piece is how do we keep things equitable for our students uh so one of the fortunate things that we've had is we've done a nice job i think planning uh, from a technology standpoint, where we have enough devices for every single student in our district. The challenge, however, comes in how do we get them connected? We have about uh, somewhere between 15 to 30 percent of all of our students and or their families have either intermittent or no internet access at home at all. Wait, say that again. How many? 30 percent? Between 15 and 30 percent. Wow. So they might have, um, for one of the parents might have a phone. Uh, but that's not enough in order to um, handle the internet connectivity that that you need from a schooling standpoint. Mm-hmm. So then, what do you do at that point? So what we have done is kind of a hybrid piece where we're pushing out two methods where people who have internet capabilities we we provided them each with a Chromebook and we are pushing out lessons online. Those who are not, we are making packets for them to do at home, and then the best that and we provide a day where we the families can pick up those packets each week you know and this is this is like i said unprecedented so you're you're really forced to think outside the box to use that cliche um anything else you're doing as a school system that may be you know just out there to to help well, we're providing a lot of meals to our families. Uh, each each week, we provide about twelve thousand meals. Wow! Uh, so, hats off to our food service staff. They've been absolutely amazing. It's uh, but every aspect of our of what we do is based on face to face delivery, um, developing relationships with kids. The fact that there are no, there are no sports going on that's that's difficult, um, and trying to do what we can for this year's seniors. You know, even graduation is a pretty big deal for them and their family. We're trying to figure out a way that we can still have a graduation. We've we've committed that this year, if we can pull it off, we're going to do something outside in the Nicanese field. Um, And we have not done that for probably 20, 25 years or so. So we think that that at least could be something pretty special for this year's class of 2020. We're just hopeful that we can, that the restrictions will be limited so that we can figure out a way to do that. And we think that we can provide social distancing on the field and in the bleachers and with our students. It's just a matter of can, will the governor actually allow us to pull that off? So that's a, that's a challenge as well. So are you, you're like everybody else in the state that when the governor uh, has a press conference and announce, announces the latest you know, restrictions or pulling away some of the restrictions, that's when you find out uh, the next step? Yes. And I comb through those once they are printed out and make sure I know all the finer details of that to see what we can and what we cannot do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting an education here for the last month and a half, <laughs> for imagine. sure. That'd take a little bit of time. So have, 
they, uh, I'm kind of curious what you're talking about, handing out some of the assignments and stuff like that. And it kind of made me think, I think I saw they did away with the standardized testing for the rest of this year. Thank goodness. But, so, yeah, did the state of Michigan, is it up to the school districts or the, to decide what they're going to do for the assignments and stuff? Or did the state of Michigan say this is what you need to do? Like, how are you guys deciding somebody passes a grade? They left it completely up to each individual school district. Um, so we've, we recognize that this is a very difficult time for many families. And we have a community where some parents would like us to continue normal instruction, kind of mirror what happens in the classroom, mirror it online, and let's keep going. We have other parents who say, I don't have time. I've got four kids at home. I'm a single working mom. I don't have internet. I don't have time to sit down with my kids and actually teach them. And and it be, it's very, very challenging for us to try and find that happy medium. So that, that decision was left up to each district. And essentially what we are doing is we're take, taking the idea that if students are participating in some way, shape, or form, we're, we're probably going to move them ahead, especially if they were already in a position to be passing at the time that we stopped school on March 13th. Wow. You know, you talked about the, the graduation for the seniors, how big a deal it is. It is a big deal for not only them, but their families. And, you know, you, you're trying to look ahead and see if there's a possibility of, of doing it at Nicanese Stadium. Is that pretty much the only thing left, really, for the seniors? I mean, you know, prom's out of the question right now, and uh, the spring sports have already been canceled. That's pretty much all that they have to look forward to now. I suppose it? I suppose yearbooks would, be, would okay. be one thing. Typically, we have an honors night where we recognize our highest academic achievers in the senior class. Um, So we might have to do something like that, whether it's virtually. I don't think we'll have it in the same manner. But we would like to be able to have graduation in some way, shape, or form. And this class, really, when you think about it, their entire time in public education, they faced nothing but cuts. Mm. When you think about it, uh, from the recession in 2008, they have not had a normal school situation like you and I did back in the day. So it's it's been really difficult when you think back at what this group has gone through. And then back to you and your administrators, I mean, is there anything at all that resembles, let's say, back day-to-day type of operations, or is everything, as they say, a new normal? We are. I'm going to tell you what, our administrative team is working their tails off to make this happen. Matt mentioned about how to, about the coordination of packets and Chromebooks to people. And Ingrid Deppman is, is our middle school assistant principal. And I put her in charge of that duty. Holy moly, the amount of work that she's put in to make that happen. And Jamie Johnson, our curriculum director is working on providing professional development to our teachers who are not used to doing things online. How do they, so she's put together um, ways to help our students. We have administrators working on connectivity issues. We have administrators working on making sure that our students are okay. I mean, truly, they, I mean, students need school and they need that connection with their friends and with those trusted adults. And so we've worked on ways, how can we make sure that our students are getting those types of supports and services that they need? It has been a monumental task. Um, So we're not taking the days off. Right. I I would say that our administrative team is probably working harder now than they ever have. And they've had and we've got an administrative team that has an unbelievable work ethic. Yeah. I know you've talked about it before. You just talked about it here. I mean, you really have to have that, especially in this type of situation to 
to keep things rolling, right? It's it's been a it's been a task. Something I don't want to go through again. But right, you you talked about our things normal. Well, right now we're making contingency plans on. What's going to happen in the fall? What if we can't open in the fall? Right. What if we can only have a hybrid approach in the fall? Uh, e- or even if we are able to open regularly, there's some transitions that need to happen. We never had closure on this school year. So you take a student who's going from uh, middle school up to the high school, or from the, our 4-7 building up to the high school, they haven't had a chance to tour the high school. They don't know who any of the teachers are. Um, there's going to be some some difficult challenges ahead for all school districts moving forward in no matter what method it looks like in the fall. Wow. Well, hang in there. And I know uh, all the staff that works for you over there doing a great job and you're just trying to look out for the students. I guess one final question I got as far as how uh, you operate, you know, budget wise, has anything changed there as far as uh, kindergarten sign up, things like that? Well, fortunately we had our kindergarten registration before um, before all this happened, so that was a that was a good thing for us, and we had good numbers for that. The challenge right now is uh, education in Michigan is funded on a three-legged stool, and the three parts of the funding are property tax, which is pretty um, pretty sound. That's not yep, going to change. Straightforward. Yep. Income tax. Not a lot of people making income right now, so that's going to affect funding, and sales tax. People aren't buying things right now, so that's right. going to affect funding and. Two recent studies from the state and from the University of Michigan are projecting that in the fiscal year 2020, uh, the state will be short one to three billion dollars in revenue for the state, and that's going to directly affect schools. And fiscal year 2021 will be down between one and four billion dollars in fiscal year 2021. What that means for schools is I'm preparing three different budgets right now. Um, one budget at a best case scenario would be a hundred dollars less per student, a midterm budget of five hundred dollars less per student, and a worst case scenario of a thousand dollars less per student. And if if we lose a thousand dollars per student, that's about two million dollars off of a off of our budget in the size oh. of the district of Corona. And got to figure out a way to be creative of how to how to craft that. Did you ever think when you were bagging groceries at Hammond you'd ever have to run uh, a large corporation and budget? Yeah, I did not. Uh, I know that my mom and dad back in the day said, you should keep that job at Hammond. That's a good job. It was a lot less pressure than this one, that's for sure. It's funny to hear you say, I, I guess maybe I'd heard that before that you worked at Hammond, but my parents still call like paper bags from the grocery store Hammond sacks. Hammond sacks, absolutely. That's where I met my wife. A lot of good memories there. I have one more question. Maybe we're going to move on from this. You were talking about getting creative, and I asked uh, the the local business owners that we had on last week um, a a similar question. So I want to ask you basically the same question. Have have you guys basically been forced because of this to learn ways, some innovative, some creative ways to kind of conduct your business that maybe you're actually seeing is really efficient and going to work even when – or if or when things do get back to normal. Well, I I would put it this way: we're we're flying an we're flying an airplane and trying to build it at the same time. Um, we have, like I said earlier, we have the capabilities to provide technology to all of our students, and could probably seamlessly seamlessly provide instruction online. The challenge that we have in Shiawassee County again, is the connectivity issues. It's a rural community, and not everybody has high-speed internet and broadband capabilities in order to, to, get that, to get that delivered to them. 
All right. Well, it sounds like you have your hands full, but you're on top of it, John. And uh, I, we'll just stay tuned on upcoming graduation ceremonies. I mean, what is the what is the plan right at the moment? You're looking if maybe in late July, August, something like that. There's a couple if of you had a guess. Well, right now, so our high school principals are working with uh, the student council, and we just sent out a survey to our parents, senior parents, to get some input from them because the other part that we need to can be considerate of open houses yeah i mean i'm sure that parents already have those planned so right now what we are looking at is selecting some dates in late may i think may 31st i think and i'm I don't have it in front of me, but we're looking at dates in late may some in june some in july and possibly even august to do an outdoor mm-hmm. an outdoor graduation wow well good luck to you let's hope that uh things keep looking a little bit better in this state, in this country, that we can get back to somewhat normal operation. Well, we're going to talk some sports here on this podcast, as we always do. And before we get to that segment, just want to tell you about the Corona Connection, thecoronaconnection.com. They know it's great to be gold. You know it's great to be gold, don't you, John? Fantastic. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at coronaconnection.com. Advanced Elevator Company, they feature top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators. An area business leader and a longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud partner of Three Point Podcast. Now, before we get into the last dance discussion here and the, and the bad boys, I want to just bring up a topic. I know, John, you didn't get a chance to see it yet, but both Matt and I did, and that was the E60 special on ESPN about Alex Smith and his uh, his year, I guess you would call it, of trying to recover from that horrendous leg injury. Now, Matt, I know you saw it. Uh, what were some of your initial thoughts on that? I mean, first of all, to have the perseverance and the drive that he does, I think that's something that is is inspiring to see. It's something that you just don't see in an everyday normal person, if you want to call it that. I mean, he, a lot of people, if you go through an injury like that, and he was already kind of maybe getting towards the end of his career anyway, so to have that drive that he wants to get back on the field after that horrific injury, it's just crazy. And to hear his trainers, his physical therapist say that, Alex Smith, like, never shows up with a bad attitude. Even when he clearly can't physically do something, he might get down for a second, but then right away he's back up. He's saying, let's go, let's figure this out. So to see to see someone like that with, I mean, an injury that a normal person, that would, I mean, it would just completely change your life. He's inspired to not let it really change his life. It, it was It was a hard watch at times, but it was a really good watch. Yeah, I agree with you. And I always kind of have been a, an Alex Smith fan, you know. I thought it was a bummer in San Francisco. He really was coming into his own there, and you know, and he got knocked out with a concussion and Kaepernick took over and you know, really just took over the job and then uh, Smith moves on to Kansas City. Always had a positive attitude, had some great success there as well. And then what do they do? They draft Patrick Mahomes. So he has to keep that attitude going and he goes to the Redskins and things were again he was playing good ball. They were playing good ball, and then this horrific injury. Now, John, I know you didn't have a chance to see it, but you know, you remember vividly. I'm sure the Joe Theismann thing. Oh, it was awful, and I remember seeing the injury uh, to Alex Smith as well. But I didn't see the E60. It, it, it's those injuries are just awful to watch. I can't. I. I yeah, it is. I mean, you know, when his, he's laying on the field there and his legs just basically like a rubber band, you know, something seriously is wrong. 
But the thing I really took away from this, and Matt, Matt touched upon it, is, is Smith's attitude, which, number one, you come away just supremely impressed with him. But number two, I, don't, I have no idea how doctors were able to save his leg. You know, I mean, he had these compound fractures, and it looked like he was going to be okay after the initial surgery, and then uh, infection set in, and it was that skin-eating bacteria that was that was chewing up his leg and then some of the photos i think you'll back me up on this matt i mean it was just gruesome to see i mean you, you definitely have to have uh, a warning to watch this because if you if, if you got a queasy stomach you may not want to watch all of it yeah look I've, I've never had a weak stomach when it comes to blood or seeing injuries like that in fact sometimes i'll like look them up and watch them i don't know if that sounds a little twisted but that's very I'm twisted like, oh man you just want to you know like a car wreck like you, you can't help but watch a car wreck when you drive by it but what did what they say 16 surgeries he ended up having yeah and the the image of his leg kind of as it is now it doesn't look like you he would even be able to walk on it i mean it they did what they did to save it wasn't even just his leg like there was a point where his life was being threatened by this injury so it wasn't just like hey you might lose a leg like this is like we're kind of fighting for your life right now too so and to think that I, I'm going to be super shocked if he ever gets actually medically cleared to play because even if he can jog on a treadmill or, you know, do some maybe some cuts in a, on a field or something, I wouldn't think that he, the way that his leg looks, would ever be able to actually play in a professional football game. Yeah, I don't know how you could ever. I mean, God bless him. I mean, his attitude is there. He'd love to love to get back and play the game, but I don't see how there's any possible way. I mean, when, just the one vivid picture I have of basically from his knee down to the top of his ankle, there's nothing there but bone on one side of his leg. I mean, yeah. how they repaired that, I have no clue. Well, the one thing to keep in mind is he's got the resources to be able to do that. If, if an yes. injury like that happened to me or you, Sorry. It'd been amputation. It'd been amputation because we don't have the resources to be able to um, try to re- rehabilitate it, in the, I'm assuming, in the manner that, yeah. that he did. I, I did want to talk to, to Matt's um, comment about watching injuries again and again. <laughs> and, oh, I can't. I'm at the point now that when I see an injury on the basketball court or on the football field when I'm watching watching it on TV – I cover my eyes when it goes to replay. I don't want to see it. I'm, I'm, I don't need to see those injuries again. And I, I'm get kind. So if you're in the booth, quit showing the injuries. I don't want to see them. But that's what's funny is there's always a discussion. I don't know if you guys remember like the, the Louisville basketball player Kevin oh, yeah. Blair, yeah, a few years ago who had that nasty injury in the NCAA tournament. Um, and that, I mean, there's a ton of other ones that happened. That is definitely a discussion. If it's gruesome. You're, you're not really supposed to show it on air. If it's just like a rolled ankle, obviously they, you see replays of that all the time. But I don't even watch those. I, close, I turn out. my head. Yeah, you're not supposed to show that over and over again. Well, kudos to Alex Smith for bouncing back. Yep. And you know, and just one final comment. You know, you're t- talking about if it was you or I, you know, we'd probably get an amputation. You know, they wouldn't even try to save it. But I mean, his wife was so concerned for his life, yeah. she kind of was pushing for amputation because it was it was that touch and go for a while. We'd be like the dude in the line or the Tiger King. <laughs> Tiger King. <laughs> save save that thought. What, I was going to say, that's one thing that just kind of back to the TV thing that might, again, sound a little twisted, but it just made me think there's been ones that when you see the leg snap or whatever, you can go like frame by frame and actually see when it happens. Uh, there are certain people that obviously cannot take that. 
that, that might be a little weird, but sometimes it's kind of cool to see, like how the body reacts to stuff. Like I'm, that. I'm one of them who cannot <laughs> take that. Can't do it. I can usually take it. I can usually watch it and and not get too ill. But I I'll have to confess here, there was one time. This was back in. There was there was a, a journalist that was captured by, you know, Al Qaeda and beheaded him i actually clicked on that oh. and i it was the biggest mistake i ever made i had nightmares forever just watching that i'll never make that kind of mistake again so i feel like that's i feel like that stuff's like on a little different level and it's like oh yeah it is <laughs> like that. that that's a little more twisted than a sports injury yeah like daniel pearl yeah yeah it was well let's lighten this up a little bit here <laughs> please uh, and uh let's talk about uh the epic docu-series on ESPN, the, the big networks of ESPN, uh, The Last Dance. You know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, the first two episodes. Last week was uh, heavy duty on the bad boys and Dennis Rodman. John, you're our special guest here. Throw some thoughts out. I loved it. Uh, I, I've loved the documentary. Um, the fact that Dennis Rodman got a vacation during the middle of the season <laughs> to go to Las Vegas uh, and how... Uh, Michael Jordan was spot on where he told Phil Jackson, if you let him go, he, it ain't going to be ain't coming back. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that they had to go get him out of a hotel room with Carmen Electra there. Oh, my gosh. That's that's what I want to see. I want to see that uh, that documentary of, of his time in Las Vegas. But uh, it's to me, it's been great reliving those memories. And my big takeaway from that is again i'm going to take a shot at jared and my other sons they drive me crazy when they say that players who played back then can't play in today's nba and that just drives me crazy the game is the game is the game and maybe strategies have changed but a player is a player and if you can shoot you can play if you can play defense you can play if you can handle the basketball you can play so i i yeah, I agree with you, John. I mean, the superstars from the 80s and 90s, they could definitely play in today's day and age. I mean, you don't think Larry Bird or Dr. J or Magic Johnson couldn't keep up with the kids out there nowadays? Hell they yes, absolutely they could. could. That's one thing that was a, a, one takeaway. I mean, I had a bunch of takeaways, but one takeaway uh, from last week's episodes were when the Pistons, I mean, a lot of people forget because, you know, Michael Jordan, he's the greatest of all time in a lot of people's eyes, and you know, 6-0 and in the NBA Finals when he made it and everything. But the Pistons definitely had the Bulls number, number there for a while. And they did mention that, and Jordan admitted it, that the Pistons had, had their number. But to the point where they even said, he admitted, and his coaches and everyone, that they didn't lift weights until, the, until they realized that they needed to get in the weight room and get stronger, get mentally tougher to actually beat the Pistons. And that was just, like, crazy to think, like, the greatest basketball player in the world didn't even, like, do bench press, didn't even go in there and do some chest flies, like no weightlifting at all. Like, so that was just crazy to think about. And that's like, to your point, John, like that's one thing that I think about. Like if I always see people say like, you know, Danny Ainge, Bill Ambeer, you know, they show pictures of those guys and say like, look at this guy. Do you think he would be an all NBA player in today's NBA? And it's like, well, okay. Like if you took his game as it was in 1984 or 1988 and just plopped him in, 2015 or 2020 NBA, okay, maybe he wouldn't be all NBA, but if he played in today's game, he would have grown up weight training. He would have grown up having different practices and stuff like that. So as good as Danny Ainge or Isaiah Thomas or some of these guys were back in the 80s, 
they would be just as good or maybe better if they would have had, you know, today's nutrition, training, practices, and stuff like that. That's one thing that I do always think about. And, and I think you have to take a look at the rule changes. Um, it was a completely different type of ball game back then. Uh, you had the, the defensive three-second call that you couldn't be right. in the paint, so you had to stay with your player. So it, caught, it, it changed what you did on offense. The mid-range game, mid-range game was a, a big part of the 80s and the early 90s. Um, it, and you take a look at today's NBA, it's completely different. I mean, there's no contact well, I'm, I, again, I'm not going to say there's no contact, but the the amount is way different than what it was back in the day. And it took a different kind of player. Yeah, it definitely did. Well, I'll tell you, the, the, the type of ball that was played in the you know 80s to the early 90s was a lot more physical than they're used to nowadays. And obviously the bad boys were big proponents of that. They had the Jordan rules. But, you know, I think sometimes they get a bad rap because you don't think the – the Lakers were playing that style of ball, and the Celtics weren't playing that style of ball at that time. Well, I remember, Every team was. I remember Kurt Rambis uh, exactly. taking Kevin McHale into the third row at the Forum. <laughs> and it, you're right. It was different. And it was – I'm not saying it's it was good. Right. But you went off of two feet a lot of times when you were going to the basket. It seems like you went up a lot of times, like almost defending yourself. Like you weren't going up to lay it up. You were going up looking for the contact. Because you knew it was coming from Robert Parrish or Bill Ambeer or guys like that. But oh. one thing that I, I thought about too, I, and I was glad to see the Pistons, you know, with John Sally and Isaiah being on there, being able to give their side, the Pistons side to it. They were playing within the rules. I feel like when they're called the bad boys and you just see Rick Mahorn and Lambeer and Sally and James Edwards just beating on guys, they think like, oh, they were just like, they were just beating on guys they were playing outside of the rules they were just you know just trying to beat up guys that was the only way they could win when they won it was within the rules but Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas and Vinnie Johnson and Mark Aguirre was great back then so like it wasn't like they were just beating up guys and that was the only way they they were winning games they were a great team so it was nice to see the Pistons actually get a little bit of love not just like oh they were just the bad boys they were just beating guys up yeah I mean that was obviously my favorite NBA team of all time that that bad boy era I mean just watching them you know from when Isaiah was drafted and with Kelly Trapuca and Kent Benson playing their games at the Silver Dome to evolve into a championship team and you know when you think about the success they had against Bird Magic and Michael it's it's pretty astounding and and again I, I think we've we've stated it once it was different rules. I mean, you take a look at some of those times when Robert Parrish just hauled off and just <laughs> wailed on Lambert. He just got a regular foul. Right. And that that would never happen in today's day and age. Right. Yeah. You know, last week also, we'll, we'll, this will be my last comment on this topic. Uh, you know, it was featuring Dennis Rodman and some of his antics. And, you know, from when he came to Detroit, him and Sally drafted the same year, you know, and Chuck Daly took care of uh, – took care of Rodman, really loved him. He played hard. I loved the way that he played when he was with the bad boys. But his exit from Detroit was definitely premature. I mean, if things went wrong. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, different talk out there why he left, why they touched upon it a little bit that he was at the Palace parking lot with a gun, you know, and there was major concerns about his mental mental well-being. But, you know, a lot of people maybe didn't hear the rumors about the fact that the microwave was heating up. And might have been heating up with Dennis's wife at that time. So 
that kind of led him, at least that was the rumor that led him to being very upset with the Pistons organization, kind of going off the deep end and, you know, got a new start in Chicago and played very good basketball for the Bulls. And you got to give Jordan some credit there, too. He knew that Rodman on that team was going to help him win championships. Yeah, I think he even mentioned that, that he knew – I mean, they had Pippen, they had Tony Kukoc at the time, and obviously Jordan, but they needed a guy like Rodman to do the dirty work. So yeah, he was able to maybe swallow his pride and his hatred for the bad boys and say, all right, we need to bring Dennis in. But, yeah, talk, talking about maybe the reason or one, one of the reasons why Rodman left or, like, that Las Vegas trip, those are some of the moments, or even, like, when Jordan retired or, you know, just some of the other stuff that make you wonder, like, how much different the perspective would be of those people for those situations if social media was around back then. Oh, could never happen in this day and age. Dennis Robin would have broken the internet. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, could you imagine if, I don't know, like let's just say Russell Westbrook in the middle of the season all of a sudden said he needed a vacation went to <laughs> Vegas for a four-day bender. I mean, like, yeah, the internet would break because of that. And everyone would have their cell phones out taking video of everything he was doing. So it's just crazy to think about. No doubt about it. Well, I'm looking forward to tonight's two episodes. Uh I, I didn't see what's coming up. What are they going to be focusing on tonight? Do you know, Matt? Oh, I'm going to be locked in. It's, Kobe's getting a lot of love today. Ah. I don't I don't know if it's like one whole episode on Kobe, but I think they, they talk about how Kobe's coming into the league, you know, supposed to be the next Jordan and stuff like that. So I think that's going to be really good. And then, like, it's just going to be a, a different feeling now, obviously, since he's passed away to see the interviews and stuff like that. So oh, yeah. it'll be a good one. One last point on, on Rodman uh, going to the Bulls. I don't think Michael Jordan would have accepted Isaiah or Lambeer. <laughs> no, you're right about that. I, like I think Isaiah, too, got a little bit of a bad rap. Yeah, he was a he was a badass. There's no doubt about it. And he was the leader of that team. But the the guy that led that walkout without shaking hands was Lambeer, without a doubt. You guys without agree a doubt. Without? Yeah. And, he's, and he Isaiah went along with it. it. But, yeah, I know. I know. He probably he could have came clean and maybe apologized after the fact, but he had too much pride. And it was just – we've talked about it before. It's just a total shame that Isaiah wasn't on the dream team, but I guess we'll always talk about it. He definitely should have been. What do you guys think? That, that whole walkout thing, I mean, that was the talk of, like, the next day on all the shows on ESPN and all over Twitter and everything for, it seemed like, two or three days. I mean, you guys, I was pretty young for that. I, I do remember the bad boys. That was the first basketball team I remember, but I was still pretty young. I mean, was it as big of a deal then as people made it now? Not in my eyes. Yeah, and my memory isn't as good as it, as it could be, but I think it was a, a big deal, but it wasn't as big as it is now, you know? And and because of the dream team thing, you know? Because I remember when Isaiah wasn't a part of it, I remember that, it was all pinpointing back to the not shaking hands, but of course it went deeper than that. It was just the style of play that the Pistons came up with and the whole, you know, Jordan rules thing. And that, that stuck forever with Jordan. And there was pure hatred yes, there between was. the Pistons and the Celtics, yep. pure hatred between the Pistons and the Bulls, really not hatred between the Pistons and the Lakers. No. because but Because Isaiah was kissing up on magic. Yeah. But the, it was, it was, I think both, and I think both cities, we didn't like the Bulls, we didn't like the Celtics, and vice versa. Uh, that's what that's what rivalries were built on. I mean, it took a long time for the Celtics to get over the hump with the Lakers in the 80s. It took a long time for the Pistons to get over the hump of the Celtics. Yep. Um, it took a long time for the Bulls to get over the hump with the Pistons. That was just kind of how 
basketball went back in the day as a team started to build and they would rise and uh, and then move on you know one other takeaway that i forgot was how good the cleveland cavaliers were back in the day they got shortchanged a little bit with some injuries they did but they were they were ready ready to make the run until jordan took them out yeah i mean they had a so- solid team for sure yeah they almost seemed like because I, I kobe's my favorite player and you know i was really following the lakers closely so like those early 2000s Sacramento Kings team that like the the Lakers always ran into in the playoffs with like Chris Webber, Mike Bibby, Vladdy Divac, those guys. But the Lakers always beat them. It almost seems like the Cavs were like them. Yep. Like the Kings, the Kings were really good. They just, I mean, they just always ran into the Lakers in the playoffs. The Cavs always ran into the Pistons or the Bulls in the playoffs. That's just kind of how it was. Yeah. Well, good stuff. We're looking forward to tonight. Of course, we're recording this on Sunday, May 3rd, so uh, the last dance back on ESPN again this evening. We'll wrap up this podcast with a little potpourri, but before we get to that, I just want to tell you, hey, step up, help one of our great partners. Stop into Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar and restaurant of Three Point Podcast. They're open for food and beer takeout, including a wide variety of craft brews and growlers. They are there for us. Be there for them. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona. Like I said, we're recording this on Sunday. I might be popping in there tomorrow because it's Mexican Monday at Rivals. Also, everybody likes a great deal, right? Well, go online at SheridanAuctionService.com for info on their upcoming auctions. The auction house is packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Sign up for email notifications or call Troy Crow at 989-720-SELL for further details. All right, guys, let's wrap this up with a few just off-the-wall topics. I didn't throw this out there in our pre-chat, but uh, Danny Manning out at Wake Forest. That was announced last week. Is that maybe a, a stop for John Beeline, perhaps? Didn't think of that. I but saw some people talking about that. I'd be curious, well, just one in general, if he wants to get back into coaching, but if he'd want to go somewhere, I mean, Wake Forest is a solid program, but it's a little bit of a rebuilding project. I wonder if he'd want to go somewhere like that. He's a little older, you yeah. know, and yeah, I, I just saw I saw people talk about that. I'm not sure about that. Well, the appeal of the ACC may be a factor, but uh, are you hearing anything else? I know uh, some people were talking about maybe some potential openings in the Big Ten. I'd hate to see that. Yeah, I definitely don't want to have to play him two or three times a year, the team that he's coaching, I mean, but you know, we all love Beeline. I'd love to see him get back into coaching. I think we talked about it when he, the whole Cleveland situation happened. Administration with the University of Michigan. That's what I'd love to see. Yeah, I'm right with you there. I mean, you know, at his, I think he's 66, 67, something like that. I'd love to see him just come back and be an ambassador for the Wolverines, help uh, Juwan out as needed. And, you know, a guy like John Beeline and his credentials, it certainly couldn't hurt on the recruiting trail either if you're bringing in some of these blue chip athletes he's gonna coach again somewhere else uh, i mean again he would still be you're right co- <laughs> he would still be coaching at cleveland if he didn't have such a disappointment pointing <laughs> season uh he's gonna coach somewhere yeah i, I you know the, another question that it, since you're saying that this is a, a potpourri of sports it matt is. i want to know what is your take on the michigan basketball program it seems like they're losing players from their program where where are we with that I guess we don't know when a new coach comes in if the the players who are there if they really buy into the system you know however that goes if you're not in the program I guess you don't know all those details but it seems like Joan maybe is recruiting a little different than Beeline was 
not necessarily all one-and-done type players, but, you know, a little more of those blue-chip type of prospects instead of the guys that look like they're going to stay for three or four years. So I don't know if, if some of the guys who are in the, on, on the team already are seeing that these guys that are supposed to be coming in, they're studs, and they might be stepping in and starting from day one. They don't like that. You know, I, I'm not sure about that. I, I think the biggest thing, is if he can keep recruiting well and keep winning games, I think that's what matters. But when, when Tom Izzo still rolling over there in East Lansing, it, it does make it kind of tough. <laughs> well, it does. And we're also seeing some other changes. Obviously, this coronavirus thing, we don't know what's going to happen with the upcoming basketball season, you know, next year but uh there's been some changes where what athletes are now going to be able to keep endorsement money and in in basketball where the nba won't allow you to go right from high school to the nba you got at least have a year before you go and this g league right now looks like it's going to start making some some moves they're signing some people aren't they yeah a couple kind of bigger names have gone to the g league and already a few guys i mean one kid that michigan was going after he's going um, well, one to the G League, and I think another one overseas. Um, some guys have started to do that because they can go play professional ball and make some money. And as long as they're out of high school for a year, then they can go go to the NBA. So it does seem like I, I'm kind of surprised more people don't do the whole G League route because, I mean, it's a, the supplemental league of the NBA, so you're getting good coaching. There's no restrictions on your practice time. You can just spend your whole life basically playing ball, whereas, you know, when you're in college, there are – you're only supposed to be practicing a certain amount of hours and stuff like that. So go make a little money, go spend 24 hours a day playing basketball. But, you know, people talk about the exposure and obviously the NCAA, I mean, that's the best way to get exposure if you want to play basketball. But I mean, if you're a big enough name, if, you know, Zion Williamson would have went to the G league, all his games would have been on ESPN. So, I mean, you're still going to get exposure in the G league. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens for sure. And, also, I want to throw this out there, guys. I mean, we're all still stuck in our quarantine. Things are loosening up just a little bit, but we're still in our bunkers watching television. Not a lot of live sports. The NFL draft, we talked about that last week. That was that was refreshing and fun to see, especially how they did it. We thought they did a really nice job on the production of that. But uh, what are some of the other things we're watching out there, whether it be sports-related or uh, you know entertainment-related? Anything uh, that you would that would jump out for you, Matt? Um, uh, my daughter right now is watching some cartoons. No, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not really watching a whole lot of stuff. My, my wife and I are still watching. I know I've mentioned before that show Shameless yep. on, on Showtime because there was 10 seasons of that. So we're still getting through all that. But otherwise, um, yeah, not, I mean, not really watching a whole lot, to be honest. You know, I've it's almost like it's almost like TV's getting old a little bit. Well, sports related, I've been I've been watching a lot of classic stuff, which I've been really getting into. I mean, um, ESPN ran a Saturday afternoon of just classic boxing bouts. I mean, they had Hagler and Hearns, which if you've never seen that, I think most most of our listeners probably have seen that first round. Probably the greatest first round of boxing I have ever seen in my life. And they've been replaying some of the Tyson fights. I've, I'm right in the middle right now because I DVR'd them all. Of course. <laughs> I'm watching uh, Cassius Clay at the time fighting Sonny Liston. What an what an awesome production! I mean the the quality of the video is fantastic. It's black and white, but it's really good. And the and the commentary is is, is very interesting to watch as well. Joe Lewis is doing color commentary on that fight, so that's kind of neat. I, and I'm also I haven't watched them yet. But it's on my viewing schedule. I recorded the game clinchers for the Pistons in '89. 
and 90. And I also recorded the Isaiah game where he blew out his ankle against the Lakers. And it may have been the most inspiring performance by a basketball player I think I've ever seen. And they lost. I that would game. concur. He was amazing. Just hitting every shot. Um, as far as any entertainment shows, I think I talked about this before. Uh, Jared set me up on it. Ozark on Netflix. If you get a chance, it's three seasons, uh, it's it's fantastic. It's really, really good. It's one of those things that you just got to binge watch. And currently, my wife and I are binge watching Bloodline. And uh, that's another very good show. And I watched uh, HBO had a series called The Outsider, another good series. So those are my three entertainment triple threat shows that you might want to check out. John, been, anything for I've, you? I've You're been, too busy with school stuff. I've been knee-deep in COVID-19 <laughs> stuff, so not much going on television-wise for me. All right. Well, any any final thoughts, fellas, before we wrap this up? Yeah, I was going to ask you guys something related to this COVID-19, um, not getting into the politics stuff of it or, like, you know, not going down that route. But I was thinking today, I was texting some friends. We were like, at what point, talking about hopefully because we want football, we want NFL, college football in the fall, like probably all of us do. Like, at what point would it maybe, I guess, just in your guys' opinion, be where it's almost like a at-your-own-risk situation? Like, if they, the medical uh, profession says, you know, we've got this pretty well under control. Yeah, there's not a cure yet or there's still a risk, but – you know, the curve has flattened and all that stuff to where if you want to play in the NFL, you have to sign a waiver basically and say, if you do get this, you can't sue the NFL, you can't sue your team and stuff like that. Or if you play college football, you can't sue the NCAA. So there's at least something going on. Like, Do you, do you think it would ever get to that point? I think football is going to have the hardest of all of the major sports to be able to come back. When you think of how many players are on a team, college or pro, and then you th- Take, think about the medical personnel who were involved. Um, it, that is a monumental task. Even if even if you were try to quarantine, take a state there where you say, okay, we're going to only play in Texas, and we're only going or we're only going to play in Florida, wherever that case might be. How do you quarantine that many people to have it happen? Whereas I think baseball could work. I think basketball that could work. You could even in the the days of. Uh, television now you could probably even create it in a manner where it would feel like there are actual fans in the stands when you're watching it on tv maybe not for the athletes who are there but it'd probably be some some pretty cool being able to hear what they're saying to each other there might be some real innovative pieces that could happen from a viewership but football i don't know yeah i I mean i think we're gonna see it i i really do think we're gonna see football this fall whether it be that starts in october you know, without fans, I think that goes without saying. They'll have to play in an empty stadium, I would think. And you're right. It, it, it would be a lot tougher because of the numbers of all the football players. But the one thing they do have going, you know, we're going to get a handle on this virus somewhere along the line where, where the curve's going way down. At least when you're talking big-time athletes, whether they be college or pros, they don't really fall in that, that bad risk group. You know what I mean? I mean, even if even if they get covid chances of them succumbing to it are very very slim so if if the curve goes way down what, i wonder what the risk really well, would be the, my question would be as as they are i'm sure they've there are people a lot smarter than us who are working on well, that this. goes without saying um <laughs> so let's say you're the the dallas cowboys and all of a sudden Dak prescott and a couple other guys in the team come down with covid19 mm-hmm. do you have to quarantine the whole team their families what then? Right. 
Fair question. Yeah, even if they've if they've played two or three games, right? You have to quarantine the teams who they've played because they've been in contact with them. I mean, yeah, it, it'd be a mess for sure. But we were just saying, like, man, probably mostly just because we want football so bad. For sure. And we're like, what if what if it actually playing the sport? If you've been cleared and everything, it actually went fine, and you know, no one got it and everything. It would sure be a shame to lose a whole season or more just because, you know, we're, we're worried about the risk, which is a legitimate risk. It's something to be worried about. But, you, you know, if we could get a baseball season off or the NBA playoffs off and finish it and have everything go fine, it sure seems like that would be pretty cool to do. But maybe it's also because I work, work in sports television. I kind of <laughs> want some stuff to cover. But I think we all want it. it. Yeah, we all want it. And I think if, you're gonna, if, if we're going to get football back, do you guys agree with this or disagree? You would have more of a chance of getting pro football back before college football. I would 100% agree. Yeah. Because, I mean, their salaries that are on the line, I mean, they could quarantine themselves if they needed to, you know? You know, and maybe even some ways that they could help with their revenue shortfall. Because if if, right. if you were saying that they're not going to be able to have fans in the stands, well, maybe they could offer a Tuesday night game or a Saturday night, Saturday night doubleheader. Sure. Uh, that they currently don't have an option to. So now you open it up to all the networks. You, they might be able to get some, and those would be highly watched contests. Oh, for I sure. would, I would say so. And even in the other sports, I mean, they're talking about a whole new setup in baseball, taking all thirty teams, having ten teams divisions in the locality, no American National League. What do you think of that idea? I just want to see some games. Me too. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I just want to know when we're going to go to see our opening day. Is it going I, to even be this year? Because I know I did see something that they're offering our tickets to be good next year if we want to wait till next I'm season. I'm fine waiting until next year. Yeah. If if they're going to open up baseball in Arizona or somewhere else, right? okay, fine. I'll watch it on TV. Let's hold our tickets I'm for next hold year. hold my ticket until next year. <laughs> and then I guess... Uh, the the sport really the major sport that's going to probably start this all off is NASCAR from what I'm understanding they've already got a date set where they're gonna they're gonna do some racing NASCAR and I saw that the UFC I think in just next weekend or the next couple weekends they do have a fight scheduled in Florida because Florida is like the one that you're able to do stuff like that so yeah the UFC and NASCAR might kind of get the ball rolling yeah well we you know we talked a little bit about. Uh, baseball and football uh, one final topic any feel for where we're going in the NBA finals are they they you know are they going to finish the season are they going to try something different what well, do you think I, I think one of the things they kind of have to finish the season at some point in time otherwise how do you do the draft how do you determine who gets what pick right yeah unless you just go off the, the last standings and just kind of say that you know you don't determine a champion but maybe that's how you do the draft off the the last standings that, that were completed. But, yeah, you would think you want to at least finish the season. I did see a proposal. I know we talked about finishing it up in Disney because you've got all the facilities and everything there. But just doing if they started with the playoffs and throwing every team in the playoffs and doing like a tournament style. I'd love that. That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, so there's stuff like that. and But it all goes back to, I mean, I know these guys are probably getting shots up in their backyard, but – People got to you got to get them back to practice for four to five six weeks before you're going to start playing full full hundred percent ah. games. You don't want anyone going out there and just getting hurt once they go back to playing. Couple weeks, I'd say a couple weeks too. Yeah, couple probably different for basketball, football different story. But yeah, basketball give them a couple weeks. I, you could play. I I think even with football, I mean high school teams get ready to play with three weeks, right? That, 
So the, you might have to cut down your playbook and your defensive work, but you might have to play more players. You, you know. might have to play more players, but they could they could do it. See that too. They were they were throwing around like expanding rosters, probably like to that point. Let let people whatever sport it is add some roster spots so you have some more guys available. Couldn't couldn't golf be a sport that could happen? God, you would think. Right, I mean, they're allowing people to golf now here. Yeah, golf, golf never shut down here in North Carolina. I think this, it was a few weeks ago. One of my buddies uh, tweeted out. He said, "I think it was April fifteenth was the date he used." He said his club that he's a member of last year at April fifteenth had only played five hundred and fifty rounds or something like that, but this year it was already up around two thousand rounds. Oh, wow! So, people were getting so yeah. I mean, you could find the states that are still allowing golf or, you know, it's starting back up in Michigan. And you could, you could play some golf matches, I think. Definitely. Well, let's let's go hit the links, boys. Let's call it a podcast here. What do you say? Just want to remind everybody, subscribe, rate us on all the big podcasting sites out there, including Apple Podcast and SoundCloud. Your comments and questions, always welcome here at our social media sites at 3 Point Pod. Uh, we want to also send a shout-out to Jared. Jared, go buy a new phone. And we hope to check in with you next week. Or find some friends who own one. Or or find somewhere else to live, right, John? That, too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we want to want you to support our three-point podcast partners. Tell them you listen in. That's Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, and Promec Engineering. Also, be sure to check out our network friends at Sports Radio Detroit. I mentioned Jared. Well, he should be back for our episode 119. And, John, we appreciate you sitting in it's been a lot of fun let's like you said off air let's hope we get high ratings again with you as a part of it no i said that on air oh that was on that air. was on air <laughs> and i also said on air that jared definitely stretches the truth when he talks about things that are happening at home getting that in again yes. i don't blame you all right everybody thanks for uh tuning in listening to three point podcast stay safe out there and bye just for now